Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, they call it the oldest story in the world. Seven stars of Matariki are a family. According to the Iwi Ngāti Toa, the star Matariki is the mother, and she has six daughters. Perhaps the most beautiful and famous star cluster in the sky is the Pleiades. To the classical Greeks, these stars represent seven sisters. The Native Americans call them the Seven Star Girls. In the Hindu legend, the Pleiades are collectively known in India as Kritikave. In Japan, the Pleiades in Japanese culture are known as Subaru. In Peru, the shaman tells of the stories of humanity's connection to the stars. We came from them, and the Seven Sisters are honoured in many temples. In the Matariki cluster, there are two more stars, but the Seven Sisters story is similar. Today, I look at how the story of that bright blue cluster of stars connects cultures around the world, and why some believe it goes right back to our origins, the out-of-Africa theory. I've been just doing a bit of reading up on you. Gosh, you've got a very long and fascinating career in astronomy. It's only long. (laughs) (laughs) Meet Ray Norris. He studies how galaxies are formed after the Big Bang. He's written a book about Aboriginal astronomy and he's exploring the theory that the Seven Sisters story is 100,000 years old. How would you describe yourself these days? Because you've sort of been through many different um, roles in astronomy. I mean, would you say you're an ethno-astronomer? Um, my, my main job is an astrophysicist. So most of my work is work with large surveys using large radio telescopes, looking for the most distant objects in the universe. And the ethno-astronomy is, I guess, the sort of sideline to that, really. It's not my main research topic, but it's something that obviously fascinates me. Why did you start doing research into that area? I, I grew up in England, as you can probably tell from my mm. accents, although I've spent most of my life in Australia, in fact. And and in England, I was fascinated by the you know, things like Stonehenge and the Bronze Age circles. You know, clearly, people were doing astronomy. And when I moved to Australia, it was natural to ask, do the Aboriginal people in Australia do anything similar? And it was very well known that there are lots of songs and stories about the sky. That is very well known. What wasn't clear is whether uh, the Aboriginal people really tried to understand what was going on in the sky. Do they understand why eclipses happened or you know, ha- what makes the tides move or why the planets move as they do? And there hadn't been much discussion of that. And that, that was what I was really interested in. And, um, you know, spoiler alert, Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, people actually understood enormous amounts about the sky. And there's this tremendous depth and complexity of Aboriginal knowledge about the sky, which I don't think had been very widely appreciated by us white fellows. And was it at that point that you started looking into the Seven Sisters story and seeing connections with many different cultures? That's right. So it's very obvious that the the story of the Seven Sisters in Australia, I mean, there's, there's many different Aboriginal cultures in Australia, but most of them have a story where the Seven Sisters are a group of girls and they're being chased by this bad man or group of men in the constellation Orion. For us, Yugurilla Seven Sisters are chased by the hunter Orion, who fell in love with them 
the seven sisters were those beautiful, beautiful, bright-eyed stars. Yes, they were very beautiful. And it's just so noticeable. This is so similar to the ancient Greek story. Yeah, Orion was a hunter and he was chasing the, the girls in the Pleiades. To the classical Greeks, these stars represent seven sisters. They are daughters of Pleione, a sea goddess, and the titan Atlas. Atlas was on the losing side of the war between the titans and Olympians. He was punished by being condemned to hold up the sky forever. The Pleiades were distraught at the fate of their father, so Zeus took pity on them and put them in the sky so that they could keep their father company. But the curious thing was that there'd been no cultural connection between the Aboriginal people and the Europeans, the Greeks, um, at all, pretty well, um, until Australia was invaded by the British. And so you, you go back, well, if there's no cultural contact, is that just coincidence? Or do these stories have a common origin? And so you, you go back, well, of course, we all came out of Africa around 100,000 years ago. And is it possible that story could be that old? Um, and I guess my answer is a, a tentative yes, uh, partly because you look at stories all around the world and it's very common to have basically have that same story. You get in many different cultures uh, around the world that the, the Pleiades are a group of young girls being chased by a man or men in Orion. To help them escape Orion, the gods put the sisters into the sky. But eventually, Orion became a constellation as well, and he continues to pursue the Pleiades in the sky. And then there's other little details, like when we look at the sky, most of us can only see six stars, and yet they're called the Seven Sisters. And many cultures have a story to explain why you only see six. Although the Pleiades are Seven Sisters, it's hard to see more than six of the cluster's stars with the naked eye. Some astronomers speculate that one of the Pleiades' stars has dimmed since antiquity. Merope is often storied to be the lost Pleiad. Perhaps she somehow lost her way, but one story holds that alone among her sisters, Merope fell in love with and married a mortal man. In Islam, one of the sisters fell to earth. In some Aboriginal cultures, one of the sisters is ashamed and is hiding behind a bush, and so on. Mm. And so you get these very similar stories from all around the world. And you think, well, how can a story like that spread? And it's actually really, really difficult, unless it was very old. And it came out of Africa, as we all came out of Africa. In your research, were you able to find that story in Africa? Oh, no, there are stories like that in Africa, but I don't think we've found... You know, what, what you're really asking is, can we find the original story? Mm. And I think the answer is no. What I'd really like to do, I mean, this is continuing research. What I'd really like to do is to follow some of the paths of human migration uh, and see if we can see that how that story evolves over time, over geography, I should say. Yeah, because each story is a little bit different. There's a different twist on it to the... That's right. If, if you kind of relate it to the ancient Greece story. The That's st right. And, and there are variants on the... Throughout Europe, you, you know, you get other little local stories in Germany and places 
uh, which which is slightly different from the Greek one. So there are all these little different variations. So if if you could find all these different versions of the story and put them together, can you find a sequence? You know, do you see the story evolving as people moved away from Africa? Uh, I I don't know. It'd be uh, really fun to try. <laughs> it'll take you a long time, I think, right? <laughs> wouldn't it? I think so, yeah. <laughs> but it'd be involve yeah, lots it of travel, which would be great. Oh, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you have a favourite Seven Sisters story? Um, I, I guess I feel close to the Australian versions. Um, and I'm really interested, even across Australia, you find many different versions. So, And you can see them changing geographically. So in some versions in the southwest of Australia, the sisters have some pet dingoes, which protect them mm. from the boys in Orion. And as you go further west, the, the dingoes disappear. You get versions where the girls are quite friendly with the boys in Orion and actually dance with them and make music and so on. Uh, sometimes the boys in Orion are a group of young men. Sometimes it's one young man. Yugorilla seven sisters are chased by the hunter Orion, who fell in love with them. You keep chasing these beautiful girls, chasing them right up, even up to Sydney Way River, the Blue Mountains. Come back to Wongoi to relax. And the seven sisters went back up the sky. The common thread is that they're almost always women or girls. Why? Yes. Is there any explanation for that? I, I would say the explanation is in the original story when we were all sitting around our campfires in Africa. That's the story we were telling. We yeah. The story. But, but, it, but it might be, um, and the, the, it has been suggested, for example, if you look up at the Pleiades, in the night sky, which you can at the moment, in the early hours of the morning. And they are a beautiful group of you know, lovely, twinkly little stars. These stars are very young for stars, and the brightest of them are very massive and burn much hotter than the sun, giving them their famous blue colour. Yeah, they really look feminine, actually. So you can understand that. Um, oh. People also argue that Orion is this great, bold, masculine constellation no, I'm, I'm actually less convinced by that but maybe that's right the hunter story i mean that's quite an interesting element to it really isn't it so one of the stories i like in uh, from arnhem land in the top end of australia um so orion is not a man but the orion is a canoe and there's three young men and they're the three stars in the belts of orion there are three young men who break the law. And then they're also chasing these girls in the Pleiades. So clearly that's different from the Orion version, but the same central elements. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Pleiades? I mean, you say that there are sort of a twinkly cluster of stars, but is that what makes them special? Yeah. So um, they are they are interesting. You know, astronomically, there are a group of stars formed maybe... 100 million years ago, which is quite recent in astronomical terms. But the way that stars are born is that you get uh, a cloud of gas sitting around in space. And over time, gravity makes it contract down and shrink and it gets hotter and bits of it get particularly hot. So those turn into stars. And in the case of the Pleiades, what's happened is one gas cloud has shrunk down and produced this 
beautiful cluster of stars. And they're blue for two reasons. Firstly, they're young, hot stars, which tend to look blue, or the, the, the bluest ones and the most obvious ones. Uh, and then there's also gas around them still left over in the cloud, which gives these, In if you look at photos with a telescope, you see these beautiful wisps and things around them, which also give them this rather beautiful hazy appearance um and so yeah they they do look very pretty and that is a uh, because of the way they've been formed now the other interesting thing about them is that i mentioned earlier that most people only see six stars and yet uh the all many of the old stories talk about the seven sisters mm. uh particularly the aboriginal stories they actually use a word for seven uh to describe them and um, so how come uh, so many stories talk about the Seven Sisters and explain why you can't see one of them? We don't know the the answer, but there's a strong suspicion if they all, if all these stories say there used to be a seventh which you can't see, it may be that 100,000 years ago, it really did look like there were seven stars to most people. Uh, I should say... Uh, there are, in fact, many more than seven, but most people can only see six. So some people claim to be able to see 11 or 12, but most people see six. But maybe 100,000 years ago, most people could see seven. So what happened to the seventh one? Well, these are young stars, and it's possible that one of them has switched off or blown up or something like that. Another possibility is that the stars are moving. And we know how much they're moving. That's been very carefully measured with uh, astronomical telescopes. And if you look back at what the stars looked like 100,000 years ago, they look roughly the same, but they've all changed their positions a little bit. And there's two stars um, which are, are very close together. And now, in fact, you can't distinguish them. They've, they're so close together, they basically look like they're the same star. But 100,000 years ago, they were far enough apart that you could most people could be, see them as two stars. So our guess is that 100,000 years ago, people could see these two stars, Pleione and Atlas, as two separate stars, and now they just look like one star. So that's why the number has gone from seven to six. But this, this is a hypothesis. You know, the way that science works, you throw out these ideas, you try to find ways of testing them. And it's also possible that... It, it may be some other cause, like a star actually blowing up or fading out. Are there any other myths about the stars that have had the same story over tens of thousands of years? Perhaps. I mean, the, 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 the Pleiades one is, you know, really obvious. I don't think there's any other story which is obvious. You can't go to many cultures and see essentially the same story. There are stories actually about the, in the Northern Hemisphere, about the constellation Ursa Major, um, or, or the Plough, or the Great Bear, or the Big Dipper. And you get stories about that in lots of different cultures in the Northern Hemisphere, but nothing nothing with the level of detail that you get in the Seven Sisters. And, and you can ask why. So there are other very obvious constellations. So it's not just Seven Sisters, it's also Orion figures in this story. Now, the interesting thing about Seven Sisters and Orion is that you can see, see them from both the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. So that means as these groups travelled around, coming out of Africa 
uh, and going a bit north and going down south, they'd be able to see these constellations all the time. Whereas other constellations, not so much. They'd disappear from view. You've got other complicating factors that the, the sky actually moves over those timescales relative to the Earth. And so some stars won't be very obvious for long lengths of time, and so you might lose the stories. So... Um, fits the Southern Cross. So we see the Southern Cross really well in Australia and New Zealand. And you might say it's such an obvious constellation. Surely there are lots of stories about that. Well, there are, but they vary completely. You go to different Aboriginal groups in Australia, and they've all got different stories about the Southern Cross. There's not this common thread that you get with the Pleiades and Orion. And um, so I, I suspect, again, that's telling you that Pleiades and Orion has got this common origin, whereas with the Southern Cross, people may be seeing it for the first time as they come into Australia uh, and then much later in New Zealand and the Pacific Islands. And so they make up their own stories about it because they don't they haven't brought a story with them. I mean, it is lovely to think that this this could be the oldest story yeah. And of course, 100,000 years ago, people's brains were pretty much the same as they are now. It, it shouldn't be surprising that a story that resonates to us now would also resonate to our ancestors 100,000 years ago. They weren't that different from us. But of course, we don't have any hard evidence. I mean, that people who study languages say that languages change enormously over that time. And we don't have any really well-authenticated accounts of any story or bit of knowledge lasting for that length of time. And so it's reasonable for people to be sceptical that a story can last that length of time. Um, if you look for really hard evidence, you know, what's the oldest story which you can actually corroborate with physical phenomena or something? And it's really hard to find them. So in Australia, we've had large meteor impacts over the last two or three thousand years, which would have killed hundreds of people. Surely there'll be accounts of those in the Aboriginal stories. And to some extent there are, but nothing as obvious as the Pleiades, right? It'd be lovely if there's some event we could point to that we can date, you know, like a, a supernova going off or something like that. And uh and that we could point to a, a story in some folklore somewhere which definitely referred to it. And unfortunately we don't have anything I like that going back very far. During the coldest time each year, the Matariki star cluster comes rising up for the first time in the eastern sky. This always happens in the early morning, just before the sun gets out of bed. We keep a lookout for this happening because it marks the beginning of an important time of year, the Māori New Year. Here in New Zealand, or Aotearoa, Matariki represents the start of the new year. We had a lovely man talk to us today, Reriata Mahika, who is one of our tohunga on on Matariki. You know, he is a yeah. he's a leader, um, and he talked about it being the start of the new year and this is the time that you clear out all your old stuff and you start anew. He also he actually said that, you know, scar- stargazing itself is kind of boring because it's the same stars every year, but it's what you activate on the ground. It, it, is, that, is that how it's seen by other cultures? 
Yes, absolutely. So you get very similar things in Australia. People see the first rising of the Pleiades in the early morning um, as being the start of winter in, in many cultures across Australia. There's lots of stories about how people use stars to regulate their Canada. So people in Australia, that, I mean, we have uh, hundreds of different Aboriginal cultures. They um, all have slightly different calendars. Many, many people, for example, have six seasons in their year. And the boundary between those seasons is often marked by particular birds appearing, particular flowers appearing, and by particular stars appearing. The Yongnu people in Arnhem Land, they were visited by Indonesians who are coming to fish trepang, sea cucumbers, uh, off, off the north coast of Australia. And the Yongnu people very quickly became aware that the Indonesians came when Scorpio was in the sky. So they associate the Indonesians with the constellation Scorpius, for example. Uh, and there's there's lots of examples like that of uh, people say, when you see this star, then it's time to do X. It's time to harvest this plant or this fish or whatever. In New Zealand, there's definitely a growing interest in the night sky and the stars. Is that what you are experiencing? Is that there's a sort of a new appreciation? Very, very much so. And I, I, I'm so pleased to see there is this growing awareness of it. Of course, as an astronomer, I have a vested interest in a way. <laughs> you know, to be able to see the sky. But ignoring that, I, I grew up in England. Well, when it wasn't raining, I could see the Milky Way, right? <laughs> Kids nowadays in any country are very unlikely to be able to see the Milky Way. In Australia, it's, it's uh, and possibly in New Zealand as well, Maui, you know, the sky is such an important part of the culture that kids who can't see the night sky are missing out on a whole pile of their culture. There's a whole load of stories associated with it. It's part of their world. I think people used to appreciate the sky much more, and then we... In recent decades, we've been watching TV a lot and so on, and we've lost sight of the sky, and people are realising that there's something missing from their worldview. That's it for today. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Ray Norris. Mā te wā. Mā te wā.